the more um, usual response when being confronted is to do exactly what you just said, Steve, either um, no, or there's an explanation, or, you know, your friend is wrong, or it was only, it was this, it was not that. Um, so there is going to be a denial. People aren't going to just come forward and say, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. You caught me guilty as charged. Your spouse doesn't know that you caught them cheating. Dr. Karen Sherman offers advice on how to handle the situation. Stay tuned. So I was visiting a friend not too long ago, and he told me a story that I wanted to share with you. They had some friends over for dinner, and they told him to go grab a wine bottle from the rack so that they could have it with dinner. And the guests went over and grabbed the bottle from the Hitched Wine Club. And immediately the couple replied, no, 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 not that one. That's our special wine. And so I want you and your spouse to have your own special wine too. And that's why I keep mentioning the Hitched Wine Club each week. Our wines are 100% guaranteed. The shipping is free. There are no membership fees. You can cancel at any time. So if you're already buying wine, let us send you your own special wine that you and your spouse can tell your guests to don't touch. <laughs> uh, we are running a fantastic deal right now. So visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of hitchedmag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, so we have a very interesting topic today. Uh, what you should do if you caught your spouse cheating, but they don't know it, uh, which raises a lot of questions. And so for those of you tuning in, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. And now we're going to use that experience to solve the big question here. Um, so let me first ask you, Karen, should you confront your spouse if you have come across this information? Let's just assume that it's pretty concrete. Like we we're pretty positive that the cheating did take place. Yeah, absolutely. You should confront. But I think that that's a key piece that you really know that the information you have is concrete. You know, it's in other words, it's not your paranoia or your just insecurities or whatever else. I think that, you know, as long as you've got concrete information, you know, you must confront it. Okay. And then how would you go about confronting your spouse? Do you need to gather that evidence? Uh, go to a neutral location? I mean, do you have any tips about okay, you, you, you came across this information um, and, and you're ready to present it. How would you go about doing that? Well, okay, as far as the neutral location, um, I'd, the only reason I would say, the only cases I would say to do that is if you have any reason to believe that um, your mate might get violent um, because then you want to be in a neutral place. Other than that, I don't think you need to pick a neutral place. I think you probably want to do it at home because there's going to be a lot of emotionality. Um, you're going to need a lot of time uh, together to, you know, to talk about it and, you know, go through a lot of this stuff. So you're going to want the privacy of your home. Um, if you've got children, um, I ask that you please um, do this either when they're not around, you know, 
um, have them go to somebody's house or whatever, or do it after they're in bed, but you don't want the children hearing this. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, and you know, then what you basically have to do is say that you've, you've got this evidence that lets you know that, you know, this, this, you know, betrayal has taken place. Now, now if you, uh, as a couple have been experiencing difficulties in the past and you are trying to work on these things, um, and you're seeing a therapist, would this be something that you just kind of hold on to until you go to your next therapy section session? That's not a bad idea. I've, I've had couples who do that um, because the therapy room is considered like a safe place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that certainly is a possibility. Generally, when you found out information like this, it's really hard to hold on to it. And right. generally, you know, the spouse knows and sees that you're acting a little differently. Um, but that's that's a possibility also that you, you could do that. Okay. Um, okay. And so how can someone prepare for their spouse to deny it, you know, again, assuming we know uh, for a fact that they cheated, maybe a friend saw them like very explicitly, or you, you were browsing online and saw their online dating profile pop up or something along those lines. How, how, and, and you're, you know, you are going to present this to them, but you also kind of see or know that they're going to deny it. They're just going to say, no, 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 that they, your friend saw something different or, Oh, I was just messing around online. I didn't actually mean to, you know, go on any dates or whatever it may be. Well, I think listening to this podcast is what's going to help them because I believe that a lot of people expect that when they approach their spouse, they're going to fess up and they're not. Uh, most people are going to try to deny it or to give some explanation with a story. Um, and I think that the more um, usual response when being confronted is to do exactly what you just said, Steve, either um, no, or there's an explanation, or, you know, your friend is wrong, or it was only, it was this, it was not that. Um, so there is going to be a denial. People aren't going to just come forward and say, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. You caught me guilty as charged. Um, so I think that um, that should be the expectation that there is going to be denial. So if you know that as the expectation, what can you do to prepare for them to say that while kind of keeping a level head and actually addressing the issue without them letting kind of talking themselves out of it? Okay. So, you know, in, in previous podcasts, we've talked about how do you confront your mate on something that's difficult. And this is probably like one of the most difficult things that you'd have to be confronting your mate on. And I have a little formula where I say, you know, you sort of take the person off the hook so that they won't be quite as defensive. And then you discuss it. And then you talk about your feelings. I, I don't know in all honesty if you're going to be able to do that because this is just such a, a big, upsetting, you know, earth shake, shattering kind of thing that you're going to be discussing. Um, but I guess you could start out with saying, look, um, I've, I've got some information and, you know, I mean, here's, here's the best case scenario. Okay. okay. I've got some information and I'd like to think that you wouldn't have ever meant to, to hurt me. Um, but here's what I know. And, you know, we need to talk about why this is going on or, you know, why, what's, what's happening here. Um, that's the best case scenario. But I think 
you know, in, in reality, very few people are going to be able to do this. Um, I mean, maybe initially you can do it because you sort of like just hold it together. Um, but once it actually, once you actually start mm -hmm. a conversation, it's going to be really hard to just, you know, keep calm through the whole thing. Um, this is really, this is really going to throw you off your game. Okay. Well, cause I, uh, so I think about this and I think for every couple or, uh, you know, dating, married, whatever, wherever there's been cheating, a conversation of this nature has taken place. And I'm just guessing that there have been better versions of the conversation, right? Like there's been some that were devolving screaming matches where yes. nothing was accomplished. Feelings were hurt. People stormed out, didn't talk to each other. Nothing was resolved. No questions were answered. It was just, it was just a, a, a gigantic flaming mess. Right. And then I'm guessing there's other situations where um, people have the conversation and very quickly it's like, okay, well, clearly this is happening because n people are feeling neglected or, you know, new job, new attraction, whatever the situation mm -hmm. is, there starts to be, you start to see some answers mm -hmm. formulate. So how, I guess, how can people confront this type of a conversation more constructively uh because it is it is tough and you know it, it's easy when somebody listens to this right now and they m hopefully are not in this situation to be very rational about their thoughts and say like oh yeah this is exactly how i would do it but like like you mentioned this is like the toughest situation probably that somebody's going to come across and you know usually it's you know people that deal with these heavy heavy topics regularly are trained professionals not just some individual husband or wife trying to get through their day i'm gonna with due respect all due respect i'm gonna disagree with you okay. i don't know that people listening who have not been in this situation are going to be so rational and here's what i mean okay. i think that a lot of people listening are going to go oh if that ever happened to me he or she would be out of this house in three seconds lickety split and we'd be done yeah and, you know, that's the sort of knee-jerk reaction. And yet, if you find yourself in that situation, um, it's like, oh, my God, I never believed that this could happen to me. And I'm, I don't know that I'm ready to end this marriage. I don't know that I can trust. I don't know that, you know, I can feel good about this person, at least not for a really, really long time. But you know, I sure as heck don't want to just say goodbye and good luck. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had many couples, many, many couples come in um, where that is exactly the sentiment that expressed. I never thought this would happen to me. And for sure, I thought if it did, I would never be sitting here trying to fix my marriage. Um, and, you know, my feeling is about this or anything in general don't ever judge somebody else because you don't know, you know, you don't know their situation and you don't know how you're going to be in that, you know, if, if it happens to you, whether it be this or something else. So, um, I think that, you know, the, the, 
best case scenario again is to say, and, and I don't know, Steve, in that first conversation or when you first start with it, you can try to figure out, well, it was because I started a new job or it was because I felt neglected or stuff like that. Because again, this is just so overwhelming and emotions are just at such a high level that nobody can think about anything other mm-hmm. than uh, number one, I've been found out this could be the end of our marriage and, oh God, I really don't want it to be. And how could you do this to me? And, you know, all sorts of, you know, a range of rage and jealousy and, you know, everything else. Um, so I think the best case scenario is, you know, it's obviously something is not okay. So is it's more of a, we're going to, I'm going to get the cards out on the table. Um, but you, it's, it's interesting, you were, as you were talking about this, where people are going to go through these different emotions. And I think about, you know, we know that there are different emotional stages to death. And this is almost like addressing the death of the marriage. And there would be different emotional. Is that is that um, a fair comparison? Well, it's a trauma. It's a trauma. Okay. And from any trauma, um, there is basically the initial shock of it. And then after the shock, wears off, then there's, you know, sort of like the aftermath and trying to pick up the pieces and trying to make sense out of it. So it absolutely is a trauma to the state of the marriage. Okay. Um, so initially, um, again, it's like, okay, like what the hell happened here? And, you know, we have to sort of rebalance ourselves. Um, and, you know, the approach again is, I, I have evidence that lets me know that you are having an affair, mm-hmm. you know, and clearly something is wrong. So uh, is, is part of, so I, cause you know, I wanted to address this from the, the standpoint of you have this information, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and we very early on established, you definitely should confront your spouse about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think part of that, then it sounds like to me that, one of the big tools you can have in your toolbox is just understanding that this is going to be an ongoing process and it's not going to be resolved in a single conversation. Oh, and for sure. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and so with that in mind though, I guess, would it be that your first conversation should really just be about like, or at least mentally when you go into the conversation, you know, I just want to put all the chips on the table here and just let you know that I am aware of this and I, and I'm ready to work through it and we can discuss this. And I don't expect to have this resolved today, tonight, tomorrow, this week. Yes. I think that that, if you can go into it with that thought process, that would be great. Okay. Um, I, now are there any other pieces of advice or insights or anything that you wanted to add when you, when you have this information to address that we haven't discussed? Yeah, I think there's one other piece as far as having an expectation. What often happens is that, you know, you said a moment ago about put the cards on the table. What often happens is not all the cards go on the table the first time. Um, There is sort of a slow revealing of additional pieces that tend to come out. So unintentionally, you mean? No, um, intentionally, um, because when the person has been caught, it's so, um, again, it's such an eruption and, and so upsetting and everything that it's almost, I think that the person feels 
that they don't want to upset the person anymore, that they don't tell everything. And so, um, you know, the person who's been hurt will say, okay, I want to know everything. Tell me everything. And, you know, is there anything more? Um, no, you know, everything. And then the next day, well, you know, it really, you know, there was so-and-so, you know, it's really, how long has this been going on? It's been going on a month. Then the next day, well, it's really been going on six months. Okay. Tell, I just need to know everything. I want to make sure everything is on the table. Well, it was really, it really involved. And we took a trip in that six months, you know, Mm -hmm. so very often more and more, um, about the affair starts to come out. Um, and that is really uh, very difficult because it lends to the person who was betrayed being even more um, feeling distrustful mm-hmm. because how much more is going to come out? What else don't I know? Um, you know, I, I'm so afraid that you're telling me, you've told me everything, and yet you keep telling me more pieces. So what else don't I know? What else are you keeping from me? You know, so in reality, it would be better to tell the whole story right up front. Okay. So if you were the person doing the confronting, then uh, would you try to nudge your spouse to revealing this information? Like, you know, you, you told me three months. If it is six months, tell me now. If it is a year, tell me now. If this is more than an emotional affair, tell me. Tell, would you push for that kind of information? Yeah. Rather than well, just take their word? I think what you can attempt to do is say, look, you know, from other people or from things I've heard, I know that it is not uncommon for someone in your situation to withhold some information from me because you think it will be too devastating for me. Mm -hmm. In reality, it will really be easier for me to get everything now rather than you telling me bit by bit by bit because that will only make it more difficult for me to heal in the trust rebuilding. Mm -hmm. Um, And you may not believe that, but but really it is. You need to be upfront and tell me everything now. Yeah. That's, you know, it, and I've talked about this before that sometimes we make things so much more difficult than they need to be. And this is clearly from the outset, an extremely difficult topic and subject matter to tackle. But if, when you're uh, upfront about it like this, um, just saying like, give it all to me right now, because I don't want to be distrustful in the future um, because I find out things later. You know, just mm-hmm. being that explicit about it, I think, simplifies the process. It does. Um, do I, can I guarantee that the per, that statement is going to get the person to do it? Um, no, no. I still think that, you know, the person um, might intentionally or might not intentionally. Because, mm-hmm. again, remember, there's a lot of emotion going on at this point, And emotion can actually block yeah. uh, memory. You know, it's almost like test anxiety. You, you just are so nervous about taking the test that it blocks you from, you know, uh, coming up with the answers that you actually have at your fingertips. So a lot of times, and also in the healing process, when the person who's been hurt questions, 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 and does it in such a way that it's almost like, you know, badgering, Mm -hmm. um, that's really 
getting in the way of getting the information you want because the other person's emotions start to uh, rise and they they can't access the information that you actually want. So you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot in the questioning that you're doing, the manner in which you're doing the questioning. So um, it may not be intentional that they're withholding. It may be because there's such a surge of emotion at the time upon being confronted that it really blocks them remembering all the details. Yeah. I actually think that's a very interesting point because you're, um, because people might be really hurt down the road, uh, when they find out that they didn't get all the information. Uh, but I think it's important to know that that might not be an intentional thing on their part. Like they really couldn't remember some of this stuff because they were so wrapped up in the emotion of the moment that they, it just escaped their mind that, Oh yeah, that did take place. Right, right. Um, this is a tough one, Karen. Um, was there any other final bit that you wanted to touch on before we wrap this up? Well, this isn't really exactly what we were discussing about today, but I do want to say that um, people can absolutely, uh, marriages can repair from affairs. Very often, uh, their marriages are much stronger than they were prior to the affair. So for people who are listening, uh, don't be one of those people who say, my husband and my wife had an affair, that's it, you're out of here and we're done. Give it a chance, especially if there are children involved. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad. I mean, I know we've talked about uh, marriage repair and uh, overcoming cheating and all that other stuff in the past, which is why I kind of took this very direct um, angle today about confronting the issue when you know something like this. But please, if you do, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Karen. If you do find yourself in that situation, we have other uh, podcasts, we have articles, uh, do a couple searches and you'll find all this stuff. Uh, and I think that will be equally as helpful. So uh, yeah, thank you so much, Karen. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for allowing us to get this information out, Steve. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, and so if you guys have a question, please let us know. We have a giant email button on our podcast page. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, but before we do go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. She has a website out for people looking to overcome their fights called From Fight to Foreplay. And you can get information at FromFightToForeplay.com, all spelled out. You can get all the other information at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. And of course, you can find her on our website, HitchedMag.com. And uh, if you want to connect with us, we're on all the social platforms. Love interacting with you. Uh, if you listen to this podcast or any of the previous episodes and you thought it was helpful, let somebody else know. Uh, share it, leave a review, give us a rating, whatever. Anything that kind of helps promote it, we greatly, greatly appreciate uh, because we're all trying to make this world a better place. And we think we can do that with happy marriages. So I uh, want to thank you in advance for all that. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Take care, everybody. We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's showtime. Clear our heads of all our worries and fears.